European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 17, Focus Issue, Arrhythmias, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Prediction of Sudden Death in the Era of Personalised Medicine This focus issue on arrhythmias contains a state-of-the-art review entitled Tilt Testing Remains a Valuable Asset authored by Richard Sutton and colleagues from the Imperial College in London, United Kingdom. The authors note that head-up tilt, or TT, has been used for more than 50 years to study heart rate, stroke blood pressure adaption to positional changes, to model responses to hemorrhage, to assess orthostatic hypotension, and to evaluate hemodynamic and neuroendocrine responses in congestive heart failure, autonomic dysfunction, and hypertension. During these studies, some subjects were syncopal with vasovagal reflex. As a result, tilt testing was incorporated into clinical assessment of syncope when the origin was unknown. Subsequently, clinical experience supports TT's diagnostic value. This is highlighted in evidence-based professional practice guidelines which provide advice for tilt test methodology and interpretation while concurrently identifying its limitations. Thus, TT is held to be valuable in clinical diagnostic in contrast to the limited active standing test, but complementary to ECG loop recorders. TT has added importantly to appreciation of pathophysiology of syncope stroke collapse and thereby improved care of syncopal patients. Medicine evolves steadily, but sometimes new ideas or discoveries lead to either sudden turns or abrupt jumps forward. It happened with the discovery of blood typing and with the realisation that invisible forms of life identifiable by a microscope could cause fatal infections. What followed were the introduction of safe blood transfusions and of specific antibiotics against different types of bacteria. Progressively, these highly selective approaches favoured the development of the term precision medicine still often used interchangeably with the older term personalised medicine, which gained favour because it is objectively attractive and also conveys the reassuring feeling that doctors have therapies that are just right for us. In another state-of-the-art review article entitled Precision Medicine and Cardiac Channelopathies When Dreams Meet Reality, Massimiliano Gnecchi from the University of Pavia in Italy and colleagues note that cardiac channelopathies are being progressively involved in the evolution brought by precision medicine and some of them are benefiting from these novel approaches, especially the long QT syndrome. The authors explored the main layers that should be considered when developing a precision medicine approach for cardiac channelopathies with a focus on modern in vitro strategies based on patient-specific human-induced pluripotent stem cells and on in-silico models. Precision medicine is where scientists and clinicians must meet and integrate their expertise in order to improve medical care in an innovative way but without losing common sense. They have indeed tried to provide the cardiologist's point of view by comparing state-of-the-art techniques and approaches, including revolutionary discoveries, to current practice. This point matters because the new approaches may or may not exceed the efficacy and safety of established therapies. 
Thus, their own eagerness to implement the most recent translational strategies for cardiac channelopathies must be tempered by an objective assessment to verify whether the precision medicine approaches are indeed making a difference for the patients. Nyeki and colleagues believe that precision medicine may shape the diagnosis and treatment of cardiac channelopathies for years to come. Nonetheless, its potential superiority over standard therapies should be constantly monitored and assessed before translating intellectually rewarding new discoveries into clinical practice. The benefit of prophylactic implantable cardioverter defibrillators, or ICD, is not uniform due to the differences in the risk of life-threatening ventricular tachycardia, or VT, stroke ventricular fibrillation, or VF, and non-arrhythmic mortality. In a clinical research article entitled Predicted Benefits of an Implantable Cardioverter Defibrillator The MADIT ICD Benefit Score Arwa Yunis from the University of Rochester Medical Center in New York, United States and colleagues aim to develop an ICD benefit prediction score that integrates the competing risks. The study population comprised all 4,531 patients enrolled in the MADIT trials. Best subsets fine and gray regression analysis was used to develop prognostic models for VT greater than or equal to 200 beats per minute stroke VF versus non-arrhythmic mortality defined as death without prior sustained VT stroke VF. Eight predictors of VT stroke VF male age less than 75 years prior non-sustained VT heart rate greater than 75 beats per minute, systolic blood pressure less than 140 millimeters of mercury, ejection fraction less than or equal to 25%, myocardial infarction and atrial arrhythmia, and seven predictors of non-arrhythmic mortality, age greater than or equal to 75 years, diabetes mellitus, body mass index less than 23 kilograms per meter squared, ejection fraction less than or equal to 25%, NYHA greater than or equal to 2, ICD versus CRTD, and atrial arrhythmia were identified. The two scores were combined to create three MADIT ICD benefit groups. In the highest benefit group, the three-year predicted risk of VT stroke VF was threefold higher than the risk of non-arrhythmic mortality. 20% versus 7%, P less than 0.001. In the intermediate benefit group, the difference in the corresponding predicted risk was attenuated, 15% versus 9%, P being less than 0.01. In the lowest benefit group, the three-year predicted risk of VT stroke VF was similar to the risk of non-arrhythmic mortality, 11% versus 12%, P equaling 0.41. A personalized ICD benefit score was developed based on the distribution of the two competing risk scores in the study population. See URL https colon forward slash forward slash is.gd forward slash MADIT. Internal and external validation confirmed model stability. Thus, the authors propose the novel MADIT ICD benefit score that predicts the likelihood of prophylactic ICD benefit through personalized assessment of the risk of VT stroke VF 
weighed against the risk of non-arrhythmic mortality. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Hugh Colkins and David Okada from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland, USA. The authors note that overall, Eunice and colleagues are to be congratulated for taking an important step towards precision management in the primary prevention ICD population by proving an elegant, easy-to-use, validated scoring system that incorporates both arrhythmic and non-arrhythmic competing risk. The editorialists would urge all cardiologists and electrophysiologists to utilise this tool in their risk-benefit discussions with patients regarding whether or not to implant an ICD. Risk stratification of sudden cardiac arrest, or SCA, in Brugada syndrome, or BRS, remains the main challenge for physicians. Several scores have been suggested to improve risk stratification, but never replicated. In a clinical research article, Robustness and Relevance of Predictive Score in Sudden Cardiac Death for Patients with Brugada Syndrome. Vincent Probst from the UNIV Nance in France and colleagues aim to investigate the accuracy of the BRS risk scores. A total of 1,613 patients were prospectively enrolled from 1993 to 2016 in a multicentric database. All data described in the risk score were double-reviewed for the study. Among them, all patients were evaluated with the Shanghai score and 461, or 29%, with the Sierra score. After a mean follow-up of 6.5 years, an arrhythmic event occurred in 75 patients, or 5%, including 16 SCA, 11 symptomatic ventricular arrhythmia, and 48 appropriate therapies. Predictive capacity of the Shanghai and the Sierra scores, estimated by an area under the curve, was 0.73 and 0.71 respectively. No statistical difference was found in intermediate risk patients. Probst et al. conclude that in the largest cohort of BRS patients ever described, risk scores do not allow stratifying the risk of arrhythmic events in intermediate risk patients. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Pietro Delis from the Hospital Pedazzoli in Mestre, Italy. The author notes that the final lesson is that, in the clinical setting, the decision-making of physicians cannot be replaced by a calculating machine alone. The prediction of ischemic and bleeding risk in patients with atrial fibrillation, or AF, is currently predominantly based on clinical predictors. In a clinical research article entitled Serial Assessment of Biomarkers and Risk of Stroke or Systematic Embolism and Bleeding in Patients with Atrial Fibrillation in the Engage AF TIMI 48 trial. Kei Oyama from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA and colleagues investigated whether patients with atrial fibrillation or AF demonstrate detectable changes in biomarkers including HSTNT, or high-sensitivity troponin T, NT-proBNP, or N-terminal B-type natriuretic peptide, and GDF-15, or growth differentiation factor 15, over 12 months, and whether such changes from baseline to 12 months are associated with the subsequent risk of stroke 
or systemic embolic events and bleeding. Engage AF-TIMI-48 was a randomized trial of the oral factor XA inhibitor adoxaban in patients with AF and a CHADS-2 score of greater than or equal to 2. The authors performed a nested prospective biomarker study in about 6,300 patients, analyzing HSTNT, NT-proBNP, and GDF-15 at baseline and 12 months. HSTNT was dynamic in 47%, greater than or equal to 2 nanograms per litre change. NT-proBNP in 52%, greater than or equal to 200 picograms per litre change. GDF-15 in 46%, greater than or equal to 300 picograms per litre change during 12 months. In a Cox regression model, Upward changes in log2 transformed HSTNT and NT-proBNP were associated with increased risk of stroke or systemic embolic events, adjusted hazard ratios 1.74 and 1.27 respectively, and log2 transformed GDF15 with bleeding, adjusted hazard ratio 1.40. Reassessment of ABC stroke, categorized by age, prior stroke, transient ischemic attack, HSTNT and NT-proBNP, and ABC bleeding, categorized by age, prior bleeding, hemoglobin, HSTNT and GDF-15, risk scores at 12 months, accurately reclassified a significant proportion of patients compared with their baseline risk. Oyama et al. conclude that serial assessment of HSTNT, NT-proBNP, and GDF-15 reveals that a substantial proportion of patients with AF exhibits dynamic values. Greater increases in these biomarkers measured over one year are associated with important clinical outcomes in anticoagulated patients with AF. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Christoph Boder from the Universitat Klinikum, Freiburg in Germany. The author notes that the current study by Oyama et al. is likely to be an important step forward to tailoring the current prediction models for patients with atrial fibrillation to a better correlation with stroke, embolic as well as bleeding events. Literacy is a prerequisite to understanding the world. Learning the ABC will enable us to identify individual risk and consequently personalise therapy for our most vulnerable patients. The issue is complemented by two discussion forum contributions in a contribution entitled Effectiveness of Closed-Loop Simulation Pacing in Patients with Cardio-Inhibitory Vasovagal Reflex Syncope is Questionable. Walter Wieling from the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands and David Jardine from the University of Otago in Christchurch, New Zealand comment on the contribution also published in this issue entitled Cardiac Pacing in Severe Recurrent Reflex Syncope and Tilt-Induced Astole. By Michele Brignole from the Ospedale San Luca and colleagues, Brignole et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.